Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. And I'm Lauren Lloyd. And you are listening to the movies that made her, but not me. The podcast where we discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. The classic film we are discussing today is the 1980 feature film, Nine to Five. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living. Let's set the scene. The movie is nine to five. Starring Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton, 9 to 5 tells the story of three very different kinds of working women dealing with sexual harassment in their workplace. To stop the harassment, the women kidnap their boss, tie him up, lock him away, and run the office the way they think it should be run. And to no one's surprise, things in the office become much more efficient. The movie is funny and empowering and written by Colin Higgins and Patricia Resnick, who we're going to have the pleasure, with, the pleasure of talking with later on this episode. The year is 1980. The Rubik's Cube debuts, Mount St. Helen erupts, CNN launches, John Lennon was murdered, and the Iran-Iraq War begins. The Dolly Parton song 9 to 5 is released in 1980 in accordance with the film, and later it would be nominated for an Oscar and win two Grammy Awards. Lauren was one of those people who was working 9 to 5. <laughs> what a way to make a living, am I right? So Lauren, tell me about the first time you saw 9 to 5. Right, I will. Um, well, I found it to be um, very funny. Uh, you know, I have a different perspective on it now. Um, I remember being really hit in the face with the issues that are going on, and I thought it was super funny. But it, it's, it, I was like, with all of the... It just stood out with, you know, Dabney Coleman calling everybody girls and the and the way they were treated, the way the movie was set up in the very beginning. It's like, how do I ever get upwardly mobile, you know, when they keep hiring people from the outside. So they really set the movie up in a way that we were going to see, you know, women in the working place that uh, it's pretty bleak. Um, but I, I remember big chunks of it. I mean, I remember thinking it was funny. I remember Dabney Coleman swinging from that little whatever trap, you know, the suit uh-huh. and he gets pulled up, which I think is super funny. Um, but I really remember the, enjoying the three women and their bond. And I still felt the same way when I saw it again. I, you know, when I first saw them, I thought, damn, I want to hang out with them a little bit. Like, I'll smoke weed with them. Why not? Um, and I really like the idea that the, there were three very strong female characters, which we don't mm-hmm. always get. They all got along. I mean, they, 
They treated Dolly Parton pretty poorly when they thought she was having an affair. Um, but I, I like seeing all these women working together for a common cause for the betterment of women. And I really liked that. And I thought it was a real blast watching it and mm -hmm. super funny. And um, yeah. Um, when I saw it this time, uh, it felt very in our face, the whole female, the whole issues. But then it's sad because, you know, they deal with daycare and staggered work hours, equal pay promotions. You know, we still don't have equal pay. So it's a little bit sad. You know, it was so triumphant when I saw it the first time. Mm -hmm. And it was still funny and great. And I still want to smoke weed with those three women, <laughs> you know. But yeah. um, it was, it's a little bit... I wish we were further along. What I remember this time also was the in, the joy of watching Dolly Parton, mm -hmm. who was, um, again, so grounded. I mean, this, this plot, I don't remember the plot being so bizarre and outrageous. It's like, okay, what's going on? They did what? It's, was, it's almost like, you know, the 1940s screwball comedy, but it's grounded more. Um, a lot of social commentary. Uh, but I, um, I really thought that the... The three women stood out. I don't know about... They do a flashback, you know, when they're smoking weed, which, mm -hmm. of course, is always yeah. my favorite scene. And they do not flashbacks, but their imagination of how mm -hmm. they would take down Dabney Coleman. And that, So I'm not so sure. It feels a little clunky now watching that. Um, but I did kind of enjoy how each one played out in a realistic way. I, I kind of had the opposite... Uh, relationship with my two times watching the film oh good the first time that i saw it i'll be honest i had a fever i was very sick and the craziness of the storyline did not click with me at all i think probably because i was in a feverish haze really? and i was like everything in this movie makes perfect sense and none of it's weird <laughs> I, I i swear none of it stood out to me as weird i would not have described the movie as um even a comedy, I'm sure. Just talking about the first time I saw it because I was very what was sick. Wrong? What did you have? What was your <laughs> I just had a cold and I was like, I'll or the flu and I was like, Are I'll put on baby? nine to five. Oh, no, but I was very it. sick and I was watching nine to five for the first time and I was like, how old? All right, very cool. Um, I was in college. I was a freshman in college. So okay. how old was I? Eighteen. Um, but. I will say what did stand out to me the first time that I saw it was that I wasn't on the women's team. I wasn't on their side. Interesting. Tell I was me. like, okay, sexual harassment is terrible. I'm not coming out pro-sexual harassment. I Good. think it's okay. very bad. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I thought I don't blame their boss for being upset because he's just been kidnapped <laughs> at gunpoint. <laughs> Yes, he has been. Mm -hmm. So I was like, mm, he was doing something violent, but they were also doing something violent. And I just felt like the message was undercut by like using fire to fight fire almost. And mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, not even that they weren't rising above it because I think they were, right? They were like, all right, now we have this opportunity to fix everything that's going on in the office. And then they do fix it and they're very successful. I just felt like on a personal level between the characters, it just felt to me like, well, he committed a crime, but you're also committing a crime. So I'm not really on your side anymore. I was to begin with, but you're losing me as you go deeper and deeper into this. I mean, he's like all chained up. And, yeah. and so now on the second watch, I did, I did see... <laughs> 
I did see the comedy in it this time. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that like, yeah, okay, the chains are supposed to be funny and it's not like, you know, a dark drama where he's in chains (laughs) tied up in bed. (laughs) But I think the reason why the violence to fight violence um, wasn't as hurtful to the message for me was what you said that they imagine what they would want to do to their boss and then they actually do it right Mm -hmm. jane fonda wants to shoot a gun she does that in real life lily tomlin wants to poison him she does that in real life and dolly parton wants to sexually harass him which she also does in real life so each thing that they imagine really plays out in the movie in their real life and so then i have a question for you because this is what hit me on this watch did the things that we saw in the movie you know, where they steal the dead body and, you know, he's been poisoned and they kidnap him. Did any of that actually happen? What do you mean? I mean, when I watched it the second time, (laughs) them using violence to fight violence didn't affect me as much because I was like, oh, maybe none of this happened. Maybe this is all just part of the fantasy. Because to me, the movie's like, the thesis of the movie was... Don't you wish you could just dot, 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 right? Because when they're high and they're talking, it's like, don't you wish you could just poison him? Or don't you wish you could just sexually harass him back? Don't you wish you could just shoot him? And then all of that stuff actually happens. And so I'm like, maybe this movie wasn't real, air quotes, right? Like none of the stuff that we see post, you know, him getting poisoned actually happened. Maybe they're just imagining it right like if these things could actually happen here's why it would be better for us because we could put into effect flexible hours and we could pay everyone equally and we could make this office a better place i got a couple of thoughts okay i want to go back to one thing when you say violence against violence what is they were violent for sure was he violent also can you point that out i mean he was he was chasing Dolly Parton around the office. Okay, he yeah, was yeah. grabbing her. He was throwing her on the ground and jumping on top of her. Yeah, okay. And Dolly go. Parton, I think the strength that she plays off those situations with really just shows how strong she is as a woman and as a character. Because I really liked the line where she's like, oh, that wasn't your fault, Mr. Hart. You know, just the next time you invite me to work at a conference with you, I'll just have to check and make sure there's actually a conference going on. Right. Like, that was her fault for not knowing that there wouldn't be a conference. And so she could play him, handle him. Right, exactly. Okay, so I see what you mean by the violence. Right. Because he was being very violent towards her, specifically. Yeah. You have an inherent sense of fairness, Minna, I have to tell you, um, because when you know, when I think of that, like, violent, it's not fair. Um, I think that it happened. I think they stole the other body. I think it's hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. None of it is believable. But I love those women, and I'm down for it. I love them, and I'm down for it too. It's just like when I was thinking about it, I was like, hmm, maybe if none of this is really happening because it is so crazy and it's so out there and they've already imagined it and maybe they're just like fulfilling the fantasy right like now let's imagine what if these things that we imagined really happened how would things be better let me ask something why do you think they put that scene in there that or the pot scene was to Mm -hmm. connect connect the audience of the three the three of them to connect um 
and formulate a plan because mm-hmm. they have the same goals. Yeah. Um, what if they had made the movie where they didn't have that? They were just like talking. Wouldn't that be great? And then these things happened. I mean, it. What do you think about the way it was set up? Like it was in their consciousness, and so it actually happened. Because um, I, I don't think it was uh, a fantasy, and the rest of the movie was a fantasy. Yeah. Well, to me, it just seems like a fairy tale, right? It's mm-hmm. like, well, now let's see if if all of these things that they wanted to happen actually did happen, what would be the impact of that? You know, how would things change if they really got to live out their fantasies? And so to me, it changed my perspective from being like, well, yeah, you shouldn't sexually harass someone. But you <laughs> also shouldn't like try to murder them and then kidnap them and lock them up and, you know, abuse them for like weeks at a time i know <laughs> that was that a either. long time it was like <laughs> a month yeah. or something the wife comes back you know uh, that was uh, that it was kind so of fun. when i thought of it in the in the sense of like oh this is just a, a fantasy this part um you know this is all just in their imaginations kind of like let's fulfill the fantasies that we had let's see where those fantasies would take us it kind of undercut the seriousness of what they were doing because i think the movie was supposed to be like, this thing that's happening is so serious and so horrible. Because to me, until the hijink happens, there's no comedy, right? There's like funny lines, but nothing that's happening is funny. Um, They're just being abused at work. Girls. For like the first hour. Girls, I know. And I'm like, every time I hear that, girls. Um, I want to be close to my girls. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be fighting. Well, look at the... uh, that's kind of a is that a modern point of view you have in the sense that um, back in 1980 do we like that was also new that people were talking about sexual harassment and Mm. all that stuff Um, well I think with Me Too it's kind of opened people's minds to having conversations about sexual harassment in the workplace not only talking about their own experiences but also saying to their daughters you should not expect this when you go into the workplace because this is not how people Mm -hmm. should act Mm -hmm. and i know that my mom went into the workplace and she did expect that she was chased around the office by a boss she knew that those things were going to happen and i do not expect those things to happen and i will not stand for it that is so wild i love this i think that definitely informs my perspective on the movie mm-hmm. not that i'm judging them for the way that they're reacting but it's but, who you are as a person but it's just absorbing this. right it's just it affects how i absorb i i'm not saying like oh yeah their reaction was so crazy and like they're the bad guys i'm just saying I think that sometimes the violence that they enact in the movie undercuts the message because you're like, well, you're doing bad stuff too. And so no one is excusable in the movie. Well, the beauty of 9 to 5, in my opinion, of course, is also Dabney Coleman. I mean, it's hard to find anyone better than being that kind of jackass guy who's so... Right, we did Tootsie too, where he's playing exactly the same same character. He's so good at it. And, and the audience were taught to hate him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing terrible things. And so we want those women to win, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff emotionally works for me. I don't stop and go like, damn, that's violent. Um, maybe I should. 
It's uh, just so dark. And I appreciate that, right? Because in the first part of the movie, it's so dark and it's not funny. And I was like, oh, I thought 9 to 5 was a comedy, right? But like for the first half of it, before they kidnap him... They're setting it all up. Boom, right. Boom, boom, boom. But like it's, so, it's so dark and it's not funny at all. It's just like these women who are being beaten down in their lives. Well, Jane Fonda is in her life, right? Because she's married and her husband was having an affair with his... Uh, secretary and so that makes her have to get a divorce and have to go to work for the first time mm-hmm. and that leads to her All distrust. Real stuff. Right mm-hmm. and that leads to her distrust of Dolly Parton because she's secretary who she thinks is sleeping yes. with her boss and, mm-hmm. and so like there's just dark stuff going on like Lily Tomlin is a widow who's trying to support her children um Dolly Parton is being sexually harassed at work but she doesn't feel like she can say anything because she needs the job and everybody at her office hates her because they think she's sleeping her way to the top or trying to and but she's not saying anything about it and she's not sure why everybody doesn't like her Mm -hmm. she just thinks it's because she's you know from the south and whatever and she's just too different um and it's just the whole first part of it was so so sad and I think that it definitely takes an exciting turn when they become friends yes. and they join forces and you're like, oh yeah, what are they going to do next? And then it's craziness is what they do next. <laughs> and it that's, is craziness. <laughs> and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But also some of the choices that they made, I was like, hmm, interesting. I wonder how this worked on an audience in 1980 because to me, right, I watched the movie in 2018. If I was thinking, hmm, the way these women are acting is pretty violent, I wonder what audiences were thinking in 1980, and I wonder specifically what men were thinking in 1980. Did men watch 9 to 5 and say, hmm, yeah, we probably shouldn't be sexually harassing people at work, or was their takeaway like, well, he was sexually harassing, but like, look what those women did to him. I I think that uh, it was like, well, we're not going to change, let's not get caught. Mm-hmm. That's why I think men, until me too, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, because it, it doesn't, Change, you know, it's the, the whole idea that somehow men kind of own the women that work with them. You know, mm-hmm. can do whatever they want. Um, some of the stuff that you know, Danny Coleman was saying seemed outrageous, but it wasn't then. You know, it would be. I can't tell you how many times I'd be like a you know senior executive at you know whatever some studio, mm-hmm. and I'm the only woman in the room, and somebody wants coffee. Yeah. And I'm sitting like this, and you know, damn sure I'm going to be the one to end up getting coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, I don't give a shit who gets coffee, but I know what that means when the only woman has to get the coffee. And so all of it was just so we had to ex- we had to accept everything, you know. So that was, um, and it's really on the nose, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was important that they put it on the nose, and they really, I think the the beginning had to be that kind of, as you say, dark, mm-hmm. so we can understand. How miserable it is for women to work like yeah. that. And also, that's the way it is with men, you know, mm-hmm. staying close to his girls. Right. Um, I thought that one of the strongest lines in the whole movie was when they are going to kidnap uh, Dabney Coleman. And I'm pretty sure Jane Fonda has her gun pulled on him. <laughs> and he says, he says to her, uh, I'm just an ordinary guy trying to do my job. And I thought that was such a poignant line because I was thinking, yeah, for 1980, he was just an ordinary guy trying to do his job. He wasn't a bad guy. No, he, he was just a, a guy. The he guy was just a guy. Who's allowed to do that. Who's a, right. And yeah. so that I thought that line was chilling mm-hmm. because 
They were absolutely right. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just a guy doing his job. Okay, well, let me ask you something then. Me too, all right? There's, men are saying like, well, everything changed. You know, it see, we were allowed to do that. We were taught to allow mm-hmm. that. And now we can't. Is that, a, is that an acceptable excuse? Is that, do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> but I also think that culture at the time allowed that mm-hmm. to happen, right? Like the boys club mentality. And so that's when, when I heard that line, I thought it was so gut punching was because, you know, he's a villain. We see him as the villain, mm-hmm. but he sees himself as just a guy. And uh-huh. I'm like, in the context of culture, he is just a guy. He's not a villain. But when we see it in the context of the movie, we're like, who's the villain? Oh, Dabney Coleman's the villain. He's the worst guy in the world. Yeah. Well, you, which is as far as filmmaking, you know, mm-hmm. you do have to, yeah. it has to be, it has to be a character because you want them to take that guy down yeah. who represents the evil of right. men. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting how like they were absolutely right that outside of the movie he was just a guy, but in the movie he was the villain. Mm-hmm. And so I did think that that kind of mm, contextualized his role as the villain in the movie, but also not the only villain. As you said, he was representative of mm-hmm. male bosses who were mistreating mm-hmm. their em- female employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what you know what makes a successful movie. I mean, things change a bit now, but. You know, you read for the good, you root for the good, mm-hmm. the good guys. And I love Colin Higgins as a director. I also, I mean, we loved him with Harold and Maude. I He's know. fabulous. I thought this movie was really well directed. Um, mm-hmm. I loved Dolly Parton. I thought Dolly Parton was fabulous in this. Mm-hmm. I know we were talking about how this is was her first role Incredible. in a movie, which, I mean, wow, for this to be your first role. I was reading that um, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda thought she was very sweet because she uh, was under the illusion that movies were shot like plays and that she needed to memorize not only her part but everybody else's because they were shot chronologically like a play oh, and that she would need to know what was coming up and who was going to be saying what and all this. And she told that to Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and they laughed at her and were like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. And so then Jane Fonda was like, oh, yeah, they don't shoot it chronologically. They shoot it, you know this one day and that another day and so she's like you know you gotta watch what you eat because you're gonna be wearing the same costume and so Dolly Parton jokes that she was one size going in walking into a scene and another size walking out of the scene that's so funny (laughs) she was so alive in the movie Dolly you know Mm -hmm. I mean your instincts and then she writes that song which is just incredible you know nine to five what my first note that I wrote was as soon as the music starts I'm in you get it it's so good because it, it, it sets that even though there's you know uh, it seems dark mm-hmm. with the music starting and all right. that. You know, it, it gives the it gives the audience the idea mm-hmm. of what the tone of the movie is. Dolly Parton being cast in that role and also her character in the movie. Sometimes I wish that the movie was just about her, only because I was so fascinated by her character and I wanted to know more about her and who she was and what she was thinking. Not that I didn't care about Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin's role. Mm-hmm. I liked them also, but mm-hmm. she was just so interesting to me because Dolly Parton is a woman who presents herself hyper feminine. Yeah. You know, she has giant breasts and long fingernails and long eyelashes and tons of makeup and Big crazy hair. wigs. She's hyper feminine, mm-hmm. but her personality is very masculine, mm-hmm. which made her an interesting cast in this movie because 
I don't know, maybe you can speak to this on cultural attitudes towards Dolly Parton at the time, but mm. I thought that her cast in this movie was cool because she was the woman in the movie who was being hit on directly by the boss. Um, Jane Fonda a little bit, but mostly Dolly Parton. And her personality is so masculine that she was one of the only characters who we see stand up to um, the boss when she when she needed to. Mm-hmm. We see the other ones do it a little bit, but like right off the bat, Dolly is like, now listen, I've got a gun and I'll use it. Like, you can't be treating me like this anymore. I've had enough. You've been telling everybody I'm sleeping with you, huh? No. Well, that explains it. That's why these people treat me like some dime store no, bluesy. No, they think not. I'm screwing the boss. That's not it at all. Oh, and you just love it, don't you? It gives you some sort of cheap thrill, like knocking over pencils and picking up papers. Now, let's don't get excited. Get your scummy hands off of me. Look, I've been straight with you from the first day I got here, and I put up with all your pinching and staring and chasing me around the desk because I need this job, but this is the last straw. All right, now, wait. Let's let's, let's just sit down and... Look, I got a gun out there in my purse, and up to now I've been forgiven and forgetting because of the way I was brought up, but I tell you one thing. If you ever say another word about me or make another indecent proposal, I'm going to get that gun of mine. And I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. (laughs) Don't think I can't do it. And then we see Lily Tomlin flip out on him also. But I just think that the juxtaposition of like her masculine personality with her feminine look just probably made her kind of an unsettling character for audiences um, when they first saw the movie. Or perfect casting. Well, perfect casting, but still an unsettling character for maybe men watching the movie who were off put by her. Well, also when you watch her, when she confronts, you know, uh, Dabney Coleman, she has such huge breasts, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she's just walking right into him, yeah. you know? And I kept noticing that and it was making me slightly uncomfortable. And I yeah. thought, oh, well, that's the whole, that's what it's all about is, is that I found it remarkable that just as like, it's so difficult to figure out a way to get out of being sexually harassed at work. It's you're in a prison what do you do but she handled it so beautifully it was you know I remember thinking I can use some tips on that you know because she was able to just handle it Mm -hmm. and I thought that was one of the strongest scenes in the movie was when she confronted him about the sexual harassment and how she wasn't going to stand for it anymore Mm -hmm. and she wasn't going to allow it to happen Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a really strong scene and honestly when I watched it I was like yeah that's why Dolly Parton's a great actress Mm -hmm. like this is why we put her in movies because she's Mm -hmm. awesome she she really is yeah those three women together you know Mm -hmm. I I, I, I was it's just really nice casting I also really liked the um, reality of other women in the office judging Dolly Parton for being who she is and not being on her side and like gossiping about her while she was right there. I thought that that was nice because, you know, it's a movie about women being told from a women's perspective. And yeah, like sometimes women are not supportive of each other yes. and are very judgmental. And it reminded me a lot of, you know, a more recent movie, Book Smart, where there is a girl who there's like rumors about, you know, she sleeps with all these people and she's such a slut and none of that's actually true. 
she's the girl says to another girl who had been previously making fun of her for being a slut and she goes you know i expected it from the guys but i didn't expect it from the girls yeah i didn't expect that they would do this to me too Mm -hmm. and that was such a a harsh line in that movie because you're like well you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. and i felt that way watching this movie also when you have a shot and there was nothing said about it but there was like a shot of dolly sitting just by herself at a table while yes. people are gossiping about yes. her yeah. in in front of her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i the, the first thing that i thought of was i didn't expect it from the girls too mm-hmm. it kind mm-hmm. of had that same energy to it mm-hmm. hey you know when you're talking about that line about i'm just an ordinary, ordinary guy trying to do my job mm-hmm. What was the answer? What was the... Was there any response from... Was it Jane Fonda he said that Yeah. Too? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I just remember him saying it and then me, like, furiously writing it down. Like. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice to have them call... I'm speaking, you know, again about, like, women not being of supportive of each other in this movie. Um, they call the, their boss Mr. Hart... The whole time. There's like always a respect for his authority. Even when he's been kidnapped and is tied up in his home, they still call him Mr. Hart. They don't call him by his first name. But his wife, they call Mrs. Hart. And then as the movie goes on, they start calling her Missy. So I was like, oh, well, she hasn't done anything wrong. So like, why is she being... Is patronized. Miss uh, well, well they're just patronizing her. And I'm like, why? She didn't do anything. Yeah, well, they think she's an idiot because, which is not supportive, mm-hmm. because he, she cannot see kind of a husband she's got. You know, I didn't notice that. I like when you bring these things up. Yeah. Missy. When did mm-hmm. that, when did they start? When they kidnap him, mm-hmm. it's, they start calling her Missy and it's written on the board like Missy comes home. Oh, right. You're on right. On this day. Yeah, and I was like, and they they always call him Mr. Hart, and I was like, hmm, I wonder why she gets a nickname, but he doesn't. They have respect for his title, but not for hers. She's not even there. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the choice. I think that's a good choice. I think so gave, too. Yeah. yeah, I think it it has like it's it's. I think all of this is to say that there is internalized sexism that is being nice. shown yes. in this movie. And women have it too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. like, women and their internalized sexism that I I think is still there, right? We talk about, um, you know, I bring up Booksmart because to bring up the point that there is still internalized sexism, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be the same today. I don't think that women would have as much respect for, like, title. I think that's generational, right? I do too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that women working in an office, if they had kidnapped their boss, would still be calling him Mr. Hart. I think that's very generational. Um, maybe less of respect for his position and more of a respect for just, like, titles and... Um, and he's your boss. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that exists anymore. So. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I don't ever actually... Well, I... My whole working life, I guess, in Hollywood, no one had a title of Mr. Mm-hmm. Or if they did, I didn't use it. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they did, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think it is a cultural thing down to us. Like, people used to dress in suits mm-hmm. and go to work, and now it's, well, I mean, in, you know, corporate America, they still do, I'm sure, but um, it's much more casual today. And even just after the whole Me Too, you know, like uh, Pat Rastick, when did, you know, when the musical came out? 2009, I think. And it, Alison Janney was in that, ironically. Her last episode was also had Alison Janney in it. I mean, she was in the musical. 
I assume playing Lily Tomlin's role, but I'm not sure exactly so, who she played. 2009. Mm-hmm. Huh? So that was still before Me Too, huh? Yeah. How long did it run? Because can you imagine it now? I mean, it. Yeah. What it it only ran a, a, not even a year. It closed in 2009 also. Hmm. But hmm. yeah, I don't know what the differences would be if this movie came out today. I think that. I don't know. I don't know if this movie would come out today. I'm trying to think of like something that's similar to it and I just can't. But do we say, oh, been there, done that? Me too, all that other you know, stuff, all the awareness has been mm-hmm. brought. And which is so interesting because, you know, this is a movie that helped start that awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the God bless Pat Resnick. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I thought, you know, one of the interesting well, two interesting things that I noticed. But one has to do with other movies that we've talked about before. Yeah. I thought of Ghostbusters immediately at the end of this movie because I know in that episode we talked a lot about how the men got recognition for their achievements but the women didn't, right? And the differences between the two Very interesting when you said that. Yes, yes, yes. So the women, even though there were no men counterparts in their own movie, they didn't get any recognition. And then in this movie, 9 to 5, the women also don't get any recognition for all the ways that they've made the office better, their boss still gets all the credit. And yeah, that leads to him getting what he wants, which is... Sorry, leads to them getting what they want, which is for him to leave. So they are victorious, right? They do win, but but they don't get credit. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they still have to accept that, like, he's going to take all of the credit and get all of the praise for all the things that they did. Yeah, I like the uh, at the end where they show each character like what they have become. Mm-hmm. Jane Fonda gets married, la la la, um, and thank God because I I was right when I saw it this time. I was disappointed that yeah, it's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. Like the women make all these changes and the guy gets all the credit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you want them? I don't know. What are we rooting for? Well, it's we're rooting like... for Lily Tomlin to be the boss, I guess. You know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. even the other people in the office don't even know that the three of them are the ones who are doing... I mean, they don't get any credit at all. Yeah, it's one thing for the you know, the vice president to come in and say, you know, oh, the boss, he did such a great job, you're promoted. But then for everyone in the office to know that the three women are actually the ones who did. But they didn't even get that. Just nobody knew that they that were so responsible. So what is that about? Because that... Um, like, is it like, you know, we want the women to you know win... But they can't really win directly because it's still a male world. I mean, I don't know what the... Yeah, I think... I think in this movie, hmm, it's complicated because the the win is celebrated, right? So it's not like very purposefully they didn't get credit and Mm -hmm. isn't that terrible because we see them celebrate. They're like, yeah, crack open the bottle of champagne. Like, let's So women have to be like... uh, Invisible while we do our stuff, you know. Men are always like, "Yeah, look at me, I'm great." And so I don't know if the message is that they have to be. It's mm-hmm. just that they are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And same thing with Ghostbusters. Yeah, the men yeah. were heroes. Mm-hmm. And the women were not heroes at all. They were outcasts. Yeah. And the other thing that I noticed was just that. Uh, yeah. The technology I loved. 
all the technology, like the coffee machine and everything. Yeah. And I loved um, uh, the um, the shoulder strap for the phone oh. that Lily Tomlin has, so she didn't have to hold the phone up to her ear. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sure. was amazing. Had you never seen that before? I had never seen that oh, before. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm very familiar with that. I want one for my cell phone. That's <laughs> yeah, so well, cool. One for your cell phone. Yeah. That's hysterical. <laughs> I know all those landlines and... <laughs> Yeah, that was, Jane was pretty funny in that scene. There were yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. of scenes that, you know, I'm like, oh, it's so broad. And yet I laughed, which I don't usually laugh at the broad stuff. Yeah, she was she was funny in that scene. Yeah. You know what I thought? Tell me what you think about this. Mm-hmm. You know, when Dolly feels um, hurt and the women are talking about it, and then you see, you see two scenes of her with her husband. I think mm-hmm. it's two scenes. Um, and she's like coming into bed, and he's in bed, and he basically just says, smile. And I thought, was well, that a typical thing men say? Just smile. Why aren't you smiling? Smile. Mm. You're so much prettier when you smile. Um, did you feel that at all? No. Or was I looking for, you know, <laughs> was I looking for trouble? <laughs> I think that, I don't know. Honestly, we saw so little of Dolly Parton's husband mm-hmm. that I didn't really form an opinion on him. But, I mean, now that you mention it, yeah. But I don't think that we're supposed to think anything bad about him. Oh, I, he, he's a great supporter. He listened. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. <laughs> he did he the was in bed with her. Yeah. Very good. Um, but I, I realized, and it probably seemed very great in the 80s, but when I look at it now, right. you know, she's really pouring her heart out. And he's mm-hmm. there and he's listening. But he does say... Smile. I like it when you smile. And I don't I thought, know if it's oh. because she they need the money. Is that why? Do you think? I oh wait, he was oh, telling smile. Her, come on, smile. Not go was, to work and smile. Oh oh, he was telling her. Oh, I thought you meant that she was just supposed to smile at work. No, I don't oh, think okay. so. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he she, he kind of was like, come on over here and smile and don't yeah be worried or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I don't know if she yeah, it didn't it seem not. like a super compassionate response. Yeah, yeah, but he listened. He did. (laughs) So this was the first female-dominated film to gross $100 million. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Damn. Very popular film. Um, Yeah, Jane Fonda met with lots of middle-aged divorcee women who were entering the workforce and met with them, talked to them about their experiences, and she modeled her look in the movie off of the women that she met with. Um... It was so prim. But then from the pot scene on, yeah. her hair loosened up. And it <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was also a spin-off TV show from 82 to 88 that was called 9 to 5. And Dolly Parton's sister was in it, playing Dolly Parton's role. Okay, now hold on. Do I know this? How could I not? Hmm. I was going to ask you if you had thoughts on the Who's show. Who's your sister? I, I know nothing. What is the I don't know who her sister is either. Only that she was in this TV show that I don't think was. Who else was in it? I mean, it ran popular. Yeah, I mean, it did go on. No, I know it went on for a lot of years, but like we don't remember it. I've never seen a rerun of it. Six years it went on. Yeah, that's a hundred episodes. That's syndication. But I've never seen it. Is my point? (laughs) I I don't think I did either. But I must have. So um, I have some interesting facts on. casting Gregory Peck and Charlton Heston turned down the role of the chairman of the board so just, Hayden did as a who, who was it? I wonder why yeah yeah I don't know why they turned it down maybe because it was too small of a role 
very too big because he's only in it for like not even a minute he just walks in and says great work i like some things you're doing i don't like other things but overall you're the most productive floor in this company and you're going to brazil and then he's out (laughs) (laughs) but i'm wearing white my hat is white and i have a cane um i don't know why uh yeah i was just wondering good um maybe they didn't want to represent well he represented the man the white man in charge Mm -hmm. uh who i guess is expecting his underlings to um you know, try and uh, push the envelope more, think outside the box more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Charlton Heston, who was the other one? Uh, Gregory Peck. I thought that who they got was good. I thought I so know. too. I was just wondering if you had thoughts on no. why they would turn down the role. No, I, my only thought was just it was so small and they're huge actors. Yeah, I mean, maybe. even in the 80s. Were they still big then? I can't remember. But yeah, okay. Um, the other casting was so. Jane Fonda, she produced the film. It was the third film of her uh, six movies that her production company produced. And I didn't so, know that either. Mm-hmm, yeah, so she was the producer, and so she had some backup casting if Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin couldn't be in the movie. And one of those was Carol Burnett as Violet. And that's the Lily Tomlin? Mm hmm. Now, no offense to Lily Tomlin, that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, is she an actress? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I, she does skits and stuff like that. Yeah, but she was on show. Broadway. She I was... love Carol Burnett. You know, I do. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah, she yeah. She was, in, um, she was also in uh, Annie. She played Miss Hannigan. Yeah, she's an actress. I think she would have been... In, I think it would have been an interesting addition slash relationship between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Who, who were the other ones? Uh, the only other one was Anne Margaret as Dolores. Or, sorry, Dora Lee. Anne no, Margaret as Dora Lee. I don't think so. Because Anne Margaret is very sexy and very kind of kittenish. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine right. her doing what you loved about Dolores. Right, Parton's exactly. Role. That's what I was going to say is yeah, that yeah, I don't yeah. think that she's got, like, the masculine energy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I loved about Dolly Parton in the role is that she's, like, so hyper feminine, but then in her personality, she's, she's like, just like every other man in mm-hmm. the building. And which is why I also thought it was interesting that her her fantasy was to sexually harass him because she's like, well, I can give it just as good as I can take it. Mm-hmm. And I liked seeing her do that in the fantasy scene. I thought that was the strongest fantasy also. I Not agree. only because of her performance and her personality, but also because it was so ridiculous to see a woman sexually harass a man. Again, with Ghostbusters, um, you know, when we saw the woman sexually harassing a man at a job interview, it was like a funny, like, well, that would never happen moment. And it was very similar here. Like, it was ridiculous when you saw a woman sexually harassing a man. And I thought that that was very on purpose because it draws attention to like, well, yeah, it seems silly when it's the other way around. So why is it any different when a man is doing it? Mm -hmm. Like, neither of these are okay. You see it when a woman's Mm -hmm. doing it, you see it's not okay. Mm -hmm. But like think about it in the other context too it's still not okay so we flip those gender roles it makes it more obvious how the thing that's happening is wrong yeah because it doesn't usually happen and then when you right. see that happening you're like what and he he wants to keep the job you know? mm-hmm. so he's saying yeah 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 that's a good point 
It's interesting also that that nine to five has gotten so much mileage. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think of the issues that were yeah. they were talking about, that they still exist. You know, and they we just right. keep exposing it more or looking at it in a different way or um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, these issues are true, right. true, real and true. I think with the sexual harassment, again, like obviously sexual harassment is still happening, especially in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I think perspectives and expectations have changed, mm-hmm. um, not so much behavior. Mm-hmm. I think also that it was, it was crazy for me to see ideas that, you know, we, you know, as we previously talked about, we still don't have equal pay. We still don't have paid time off. We still don't have flexible schedules we still don't have rehabilitation for people Mm -hmm. with addiction Mm -hmm. um, within their job like we still don't have those things and it seems like new ideas that we're you know just trying to like figure it out but when you see this it's like oh no somebody could figure out that these would be better ideas in a movie in 1980 how come we haven't figured out as a society in 2022 that these would be better ideas and other countries have figured it out we're just behind do you think they want to the kind of corporate world no i don't think so no no um yeah it's weird why uh When we're talking about generational perspectives and like things that we expect and, um, you know, attitudes, one of the things that I thought was really crazy this last time that I watched it that I didn't pick up on the first time, again, fever chase, was that (laughs) the first woman to get fired is fired because she was talking about how much she got paid and speculating about somebody else's salary, which was illegal at the time. That seems crazy to me. And then they brought the woman back and then she split in her hours. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. But like when she's initially fired, she's fired because she's speculating about other people's salaries. Um, She gets fired for being overheard by Roz comparing her salary Ah. to Mr. Hart's salary. And this was illegal according to the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, which prohibited companies from talking about such Yeah, they didn't want want women to know that they were getting paid so little. But that was crazy. I was like... Somebody could get fired for that, speculating about somebody else's salary and comparing. That's crazy, isn't it? You guys freak me out, your generation. Why? Well, because like, (laughs) like how many? I was like in the business for like 40 years, let's say. Mm -hmm. And all of that stuff that we see, I spoke to me because I've experienced it all, you know? You're not supposed to be happy. You're supposed to work your ass off. When I was an executive at, I think I told you this before, at Disney, um... Jeff Katzenberg would say, don't come in Monday if you don't come in Sunday. Mm. You know, so you're supposed to work mm-hmm. every day of the week. And we were like, yeah, we will, you know? And now, it, it, I guess it's also a reaction, let's say, the pandemic and people mm-hmm. trying to find a better quality of life. Yeah. That's coming into the whole, that, that we never expected a good, we expected to work, 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 and that was the life, the lifestyle. Your generation is about like we want to have actually a quality life mm-hmm. and want to be happy and want to be treated with respect and like what the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's it's. 
confounds me. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I think all of those changes from 9 to 5, yeah. since 9 to 5 coming out, are all really good. But it was kind of disheartening to see some of the ideas that make their workplace better still not being yes. implemented because it's like, all right, so we've been sitting on these ideas for a while now. Forever. And we know that they work, yeah. and yet here we are. Yeah, and they even said at the end, like, well, we got everything, but not equal pay. And they're supposed to still... Accept that, because, right. you know, we can only allow so much at a time, and still! Yeah. How many years later? 80, 20, 50, 40. <laughs> so we still don't have that. One of the funniest lines I thought that um, Lily Tomlin said was, like, I try to poison my boss. Like, why wouldn't that be, gr- of co- why wouldn't that be grounds for firing? Of course they're going to fire me. I try to poison my boss. That's, a, you know, that's funny. <laughs> you reminded me when you were saying about working at Disney. I was so surprised to see a Lily Tomlin dressed as Snow White in the movie because I was like, right? was that was bold, White? guys, because Disney is not nice. <laughs> they will sue you. Exactly, well, not nice. <laughs> hey, but wait a second. Was that, it was kind of... Snow Whiteish, right? But then the skirt was different. The skirt was different, yeah. So, but yeah. she was very clearly Snow White, and she had yes. the animals, and she was doing the singing, and I was like, Disney will not like let the you know, I mean, they won't forget. That and that you was Fox that ripped did it, off right? their character, yeah. And now they're the same company. I know. So it all worked out in the end. But mm-hmm. yeah, I remember laughing when I saw her dress as that and as just Snow White, and I was like. That was that was risky. You guys took a risk on that one. That's true. <laughs> what else did I? You know, I didn't remember the. I just didn't remember the intricate plot the first time I saw it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it is plot heavy. Yeah, you kind of don't really get in deep with any of the characters, and yet you know exactly who they are yeah. and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't change. Mm-mm. But they all change. They just become the best versions of themselves. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. He's about ready to call the police, and then he gets credit for all the work that somebody else did, and he's like, well, yeah, I am awesome. You're right. Yeah. Why don't you explain what, you know, he says to Lily Tomlin what that's about. Uh, Ah, women have it rough. Yep. This episode of The Movies That Made Her, But Not Me is sponsored by ScreenSpec, where you can read reviews and features on the latest film and television releases and support underrepresented writers in the process. Visit ScreenSpec.com to stay up to date on what movies and shows you should be keeping up with.